Hello and welcome once again. If you're hearing my voice, welcome to the Two Beers Please podcast. This is Yannick. I'm here with my buddy Matt as per usual. Matt, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing well. It's a, it's a beautiful day. Your team just performed admirably. I'll, I'll let you gloat in that later. Man U plays tomorrow. Um, we just have, I think we should have our new opening intro music on this. So we want to thank Sean Pierce for doing a masterful job. One of those guys that you ask him to do something and then he like takes what you wanted and makes it a million times better. So thank you, Sean. We really appreciate that. Super excited to, to add that. And um, also college basketball is going to start on November 25th, day before Thanksgiving. So selfishly, I'm very, very excited about that. I haven't really thought the whole implications of what college basketball is going to look like, but I hope it can go off well because I'm really excited. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Thank you to Sean. It will be on this episode, so you would have just heard it. So I hope that it sounds as good. I've listened to it. It's amazing. Uh, So I'm really excited. It's just what I was hoping for. Really excited about that. Really quick, I'm going to plug our sites as per usual. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at two beers, please underscore podcast. We're at Twitter at the number two BP underscore podcast. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Anchor. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget about our September initiative. For every listener September episodes get, we'll be donating $1 to a Black Lives Matter charity. Listen now. We're up to almost $100 to donate. We're looking good. We want to get that number up a little higher. Let's do this. Football, both collegiate and professionals coming this weekend. The WNBA semifinals are set, and baseball's regular season is coming to a close. So we're really excited for today's episode. Got a lot coming at you on this lovely Friday. For you, it's a Saturday. But first, we've got another celebrity review. They just keep rolling in, and I just want to share them so that we can keep having these. Uh, This is from my friend. He calls himself really condescendingly, but whatever. He calls himself the Italian Stallion, so I'll let him take it away. Well, I've been getting into podcasts lately, even starting my own podcast called Rock the Boat, and I owe my inspiration to the Two Peers Please podcast who showed me that what makes sports fun is the passion and fandom of ordinary fans. Thank you, Matt and Yannick. Yo, Adrian! Turn on the new Two Beers, Please episode. Thank you so much, Mr. Italian Stallion. Really uh, really a hero for us all. Uh, and glad you like the podcast. Always glad to hear. Is Rock, is Rock the Boat, like, it kind of sounds like he's here to, you know, make a lot of hot takes and stuff. So is it like that? Or is it a, a boxing podcast? Or is it about boating? Or Rock? Uh, Right. It's actually a combination of all of those things. He kind of takes different rock topics and puts them all in this podcast. Some of it's boxing, some of it's politics, some of it's just him being rocky. I mean, really, it's it's a really great podcast. I'm really excited to get to listen to it. And uh, yeah, so if you're not listening to this, go over, listen to Rock the Boat. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. (laughs) There probably is a podcast called Rock the Boat, and we're just going to... You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. It's got you a ton of new listeners. There you go. All right. Well, I already asked how you're feeling. I'm feeling good. Obviously, Bayern Munich 
getting the win, the 8-0 Bundesliga opener win over Schalke. Feeling great about it. I'm going to make a hot take here. You know, Bayern Munich wasn't missing a lot of things. There was some flaws in the team for sure. But in my head, even, you know, through seeing them against PSG and seeing them in some other games, it was never flaws that I thought there's a player we can add to make this better, right? Because the reason that our defense sometimes feels a little shaky on transition is because we play with two midfielders. And while that opens us up to some counterattacks. It also is the reason why we can do the high press and why we can score so many goals. So I think it's just always going to be a, a sore spot for us. And we did add one element that I think made us even better. Leroy Sané showed today that now Robert Lewandowski is not going to be the focal point. It's going to be Leroy Sané. You're going to have Nabry on the left. You're going to have Thomas Mueller on the right. And you're going to have Leroy Sané right behind Lewandowski. And they let him run because they were worried about Lewandowski. And he had his way with them. So you have two options. You can key in on Leroy Sané and leave Lewandowski wide open if you want. Or you can keep keying in on Lewandowski and let Leroy Sané run around the defense and let and assist Nabry for a hat trick. I mean, it's truthfully... I don't know how defenses are going to handle us this year. And that's why my hot take is, wait for it, Bayern Munich is about to be the first team ever in history to repeat a treble. And there we go. I believe that no team in the Bundesliga has a chance against us, especially for performing like that. Even if they can get a result here or there, I don't think anyone keeps up. I think as long as we keep our cool in the German Cup, that's also ours. And yes, Matthew, I do think that we win the Champions League once again. Hot take, Bayern Munich, first travel repeaters. I'm looking forward to it. Are you, are you supposed to announce your hot takes like that? You know what? I, I do. As I, bad, I, 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 as, know, as, I know you as, do. As bad as my hot takes have been lately. I didn't I, know if that was, I didn't know if that was protocol. Yeah, I it mean. Like alerting everyone instead of just take making the take and then it, oh man, that was hot. I mean, right. then you control the narrative. So I think you're, then it's hot no matter what. Right, exactly. I just don't whether want to be made fun of it for it. the take is hot. Yeah, well, right. that's that's always the worry with hot takes. I mean, I it's not the hottest of takes. I don't, I mean, who in the Bundesliga can beat them? Who in the German Cup? I mean, it's the same teams in the German Cup. I, like the only, the only concern really should be the Champions League and after that last year, there's certainly, I mean, them. I think Liverpool will be back. I think Real Madrid, Juve, you know, there's obviously other teams that will be there, but I think Bayern is probably the favorite, certainly one of the favorites. Right. It does look like that. And I, I actually do think losing Thiago is not a blow necessarily, as I think some people are considering it. You know, we just have to change around the way we play. I think it's nothing. No, I mean, Tiago was good. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it was it's a good thing. Bad. It's not bad, but, like, I don't think, like, I, I, I don't, like, yeah, I agree. I Like, I just don't see it being, like, a big hit on this team. Like, I don't see them being like, well, what are we going to do now without Tiago? Like, that right. team's not that reliant on Tiago as far as I could yeah. tell. Yeah, I mean, they're not. It's going to be shown. Tiago controlled the game well, and I think he'll do that well for Liverpool. And I'm a little more confident with them having Tiago if he can play the same that he played with Bayern. We'll see what he can do over there. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm feeling really good. The Bayern game, you know, I, I've been feeling up and down in this quarantine time. 
and in these Corona times in general. And so the Byron game really gave me a boost today. And I also just wanted to give a shout out. I've been reading so many articles about Kevin Love and uh, and subsequently DeMar DeRozan and how they are outspoken about their issues with mental health to normalize the whole uh, situation and especially for athletes. And I just want to give a shout out to them because it's always so cool to see you know, athletes of that caliber talking about it so openly because that's how common it is, you know? And I just think we have to acknowledge it for those players if we are ever going to acknowledge it for normal people. So I also want to give a shout out to that before we get into it. Let's go down. I, I mean, out of that, I mean, I would argue even for them, it's more like, I think it's more believable for people to be like, oh yeah, normal, regular person, you deal with this stuff. But like, you're a, world-class athlete who gets paid millions of dollars to play the sport you love. Like, I think it's harder for people to believe those people in those situations as people that do have a lot deal with that sort of stuff more than the average person. You know, like there's more of a stigma of like, you have so much, why would you deal with this? But obviously people that think that way just don't understand how mental health works. But yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's like incredible what those guys have done. I thought it was cool too, just like love, calling out DeMar DeRozan and being like, you know, he, he gave me the the courage and the strength to, to kind of come forward and stuff. So seeing that was, was really powerful, but yeah, huge credit to those guys and hope we keep going in the right direction as far as it comes to uh, athletes and, and their mental health, because it is kind of a stigma that's been tough to break down. Right. I mean, you listen to Michael, you listen, I, and I listened to the last dance, right? And sometimes the way that My- Michael Jordan would talk about how he approached games, there was a little bit of like, oh man, like you're such a competitor and that's so great. But also like you're being like the amount of pressure on you cannot be healthy for the normal human mind. So like, you know, especially with all these competitors, it becomes a really important issue. Like you said, even more important to be able to normalize um, because they are under such a pressure cooker. Dude, for the last dance for me, it was Dennis Rodman because, like, it was such that era too. Like, there's so many times in that show, even where there was like, ah, oh, Dennis is such a wild card, and like, Dennis is going and partying and being crazy, and like, kind of just being like, that's Dennis being Dennis, or like laughing about it. I'm like, no, but like, this guy, like, clearly needed some help. Yeah. Like, it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't just like, ah, here's kooky old Dennis. Like, no, like, the guy needed some help and. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just important. So, yeah. I mean, he definitely needed some help. And you can hear you, even in him talking about himself, you know, now in the present day, you could see that. So I'm glad that the 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 uh, whole conversation is being normalized. And that way we can find better solutions and we can find easier pathways for people to live their best lives. As much as I hate saying that statement. All right. Let's go down to the local pub. What are we drinking today, Matthew? Dude, I just, I just went with the classic uh, Stella Artois. That's what we we enjoyed while we were watching those games on Sunday. So I just went with the with the classic, the Stella. Mm. A great beer indeed. I am taking a nice sip out of a Bavarian beer today. Got it from City Hops. It is the Augustina Brau. It's a sparkling, fresh Bavarian beer to celebrate Byron's win. Augustina, and we're all good there. <laughs> we're all, we're all good there. We're all can become, good. Can that become like your slogan somehow? You say Augustina like that, and then say we're all good there. 
we're all good there. I, I don't think know it, how it's always going to apply in situations, but we'll. Yeah, we'll maybe out. not the maybe not the Augustiner, but the we're all good there. I can say no, that again. No, it needs to be all of it. It needs yeah. to be the whole. It's the tricky part, but I think it'll be worth it in the long run. Oh, boy. I bet it will. All right. Question of the day, Matt. The first year eligible Hall of Fame nominees for the NFL were announced this week. Let me just remind you of them. We got Peyton Manning, Steven Jackson, Megatron, Calvin Johnson, Wes Welker, Roddy White, Heath Miller, DeBrickshaw Ferguson, Logan Mankins, Jared Allen, Justin Tuck, Kevin Williams, Gerard Mayo, Charles Tillman. How many of these inductees will make it either first ballot or eventually down the road? You know, for me, the the first ballot guys are pretty clear and pretty obvious to me. I, I I can't really, I don't see how you can argue against it. And those three being Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, and Charles Woodson, I, I like I, I I'm just not sure how they're not obvious first ballot Hall of Famers. Peyton's a two time Super Bowl winner, five time NFL MVP, one of the all time greats. You know, has has at least held basically every passing record in the NFL at some point, many of those have been beaten now just because of longevity and such. But at one time he's held everything. Uh, Megatron probably could have set otherworldly numbers, but retired after only nine years in the league. But even without the, you know, super long career or team success, obviously being up there in Detroit, I don't think there's, I've ever seen a more unguardable player. Like the guy was absolutely massive Terrific hands, great route runner, quick, fast. I mean, he like you couldn't stop Megatron. He was just a beat. I mean, they, the the name, the nickname is apt. And then Charles Woodson, one of the most impactful defensive defensive players during his time. First as a great cornerback with the Raiders before he moved into more of like a hybrid safety role with the Packers, where he won a Super Bowl and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, just a defensive leader who was able to create so many turnovers and had so much insight and ability. On the field, so those those three to me are, are the obvious first ballot Hall of Famers. From there, gets a little murkier. Right? Yeah, exactly. I definitely agree. Those three for me are the first ballot Hall of Famers, and I think we've talked about this. I think you agree. I can only see maybe one or two other players from this batch making it down the line, too. I mean, especially with all the players still waiting to be inducted who weren't first ballot that are still on the list. I just, you know, Steven Jackson was a fine running back. Wes Welker obviously had a couple great seasons. I don't know why Roddy White is on there. Excuse me, but I do not understand that even a little bit. Oh, boy. I know that he got the nod, but it certainly, I don't like... It didn't take – you know, sometimes there's, like, guys where you're like, well, are they going to maybe be in the race? Or, like, like the first three I mentioned were, like, clear, like, yep, the first ballot Hall of Famers. Roddy White, I was like, nope, pretty obvious, not yeah. a Hall of Famer. Unless there's, like – yeah. Also, I feel so old reading this list. I mean, these are all players that, like, I've had on fantasy teams, let alone, like, grown up. Like, I just – so old. I feel so old. Um, Yeah, I think those three will make it. I have – Hope for my former Patriots, Logan Mankins, Gerard Mayo. We'll see. I think Charles Tillman might get a nod down there towards the end as well. I think he's got a he's definitely got a career going on. I have a question. Here are some other names that have not been inducted. Just give me a yes or no about whether you think they're gonna get inducted or not. Donovan McNabb. Oh man, that's tough. Oh, 
I'm probably no, right? No. Yeah. Okay. Donovan snaps a no. What about Sean Alexander? No. What about Richard Seymour? I'm going to say yes on Seymour. Okay. Donald Driver. No, but I want to say yes. So <laughs> no, yeah, he's not. Okay. And finally, Chad Ochocinco. Yes, he should. <laughs> I think Ochocinco should. Okay, He was a beast. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, And like when you say those names and those like comes up to like of who is still waiting or what have you, like you said, like Mankins, great career, but it's weirdly enough. I feel like the fact that he doesn't have a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and the Patriots is like whether this is fair or not is to be determined. But like, I feel like that's kind of a huge negative. You're just like, oh dang, you were with the greatest dynasty in NFL history, and you didn't you didn't pick yeah. up one ring. Like that's not really a fair judgment to put on someone, but I think it's there. I and mean, then it like, is. Jared, like Jared Allen. He was great defensive player, two-time NFL sack leader in 2007 and 2011, but Justin Tug, two-time Super Bowl champion, but only a two-time Pro Bowl. Like, I just don't think the rest of them did quite, quite enough to really – like, Hall of Fame's Hall of Fame. It's not – Right. Like, yeah, you had, like, a few good seasons, and you were, like – like, you were – you have to be pretty impactful – Right. I mean, Drew Bledsoe is on is in this list as well, waiting to be in the Hall of Fame. And I just think that's so funny because for me, it's like, yeah, he was a fine quarterback, but he's known as the guy who got injured. So Tom Brady had to come in like that's who you are. You don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like you can't we can't start putting everybody. It can't. All right. Yeah. Those lists like there's not like there's not like a. There isn't a thing where it's like you're nominated for the Hall of Fame. Like it's just like you're eligible, right? Um, I don't believe it's nominations. I think it's just yeah. like you have a couple. Yeah, no, I don't think it. Yeah, you have the you have like eligibility. Yeah, right. Yep, that's how it works. Well, let's move right into it, my friend. College football. We had the news already that the Big Ten's coming back. Obviously, college football in other leagues has already started. Tell us about college football, Matt. What are we? What are we? What are we expecting this weekend? Oh, I'm so happy that I can enjoy college football again. I knew. I mean, I was going to watch some just because on a Saturday in the fall, like a nice fall day. How do you not turn mm-hmm. on college football? But it was going to be tough, and I hadn't gotten. I hadn't gotten into like the season ahead because I was like, no Hawkeyes. It's just gonna. It's gonna break my heart. It's just not the same. But they're back. Are they going to be back? And now I can get excited about college football again. And, you know, I think one of the big talking points when this season started was with the Big Ten, the Pac-12 sitting out. And a lot of people, deservingly so, kind of shrugged it off, focusing, you know, the point that Clemson and the SEC have dominated the college football playoff. They've won the last five out of the six college football playoffs that have been played. The only title they didn't win was the inaugural one in 2014. Ohio State being the winner that year. And I think that is the biggest part of the Big Ten coming back into play, at least on the national scale. Because I think, yeah, you can look at this season and be like, Clemson's one of the favorites, Bama, of course, Georgia. It's the usual suspects. But I think if Ohio State didn't get a shot in the college football playoff and in the season, that like, of course, the team that won the national championship would be 
deserving still, but there would be a little bit of like, ah, they didn't, they, they lucked out. And so, I mean, yeah, there's a chance Michigan, Penn State, maybe Wisconsin can make a run, but I think this really is about Ohio State. And I think they have a very legitimate chance to make said playoff and win it, especially with, with Justin Fields. So we are now in, I think, technically week three of the college football season. I don't even know how. Um, especially because most teams, or not most teams, but a lot of teams still haven't even started. So games still not extremely electric. Probably the biggest news game-wise is what was announced today is Baylor and Houston has been, I believe they're saying postponed. Baylor did not meet the Big 12 Conference's COVID-19 game cancellation thresholds. I do not have any more specifics besides that, but we've already had a a game postponement here in the early college football season. On to the games that actually will be played. Some of the highlights from this week in the top 25. Tulsa playing Oklahoma State. It's an interstate battle between the Golden Hurricanes and Cowboys. Okie State's a 22.5-point favorite, and Okie State's all about one person, and that's Chuba Hubbard, the junior from Sherwood Park, Alberta, unstoppable last year, rushed for 2,094 yards, which was the most in the country and third most ever in the Big 12, only behind Iowa State legend Troy Davis at number one and Ricky Williams at number two, the old Texas Heisman winner. And Hubbard's probably the college football's best chance to overcome the quarterback's grasp on the Heisman Award, uh, especially amid all the talent this year when you get with you got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, so on, so forth. Whoever's playing quarterback for Oklahoma is always like a Heisman finalist now. I think it's just part of the game. But Oklahoma State wins. Chuba Hubbard gets four total touchdowns and over 250 yards in their first game. Louisiana Lafayette. Ranked for the first time since 1943 after their huge win in Ames. They've got a conference opponent this week in Georgia State, favored by 17 points. I'm taking the Raging Cajuns here. This this team is legit. That defense is tough. They held Brock Purdy to 145 yards on 16-35 to 35 passing, forced two turnovers. Their special teams are dynamic. Guys like Eric Guerrero, who brings super speed. Uh, they went easy. And look ahead a couple weeks. Louisiana Lafayette has a matchup with Appalachian State, which could make for the first-ranked game ever in the Sun Belt Conference. So, Sun Belt history coming up this season. Georgia Tech opened the season with a 16-13 win over Florida State. Now they are rewarded with the best group of five program with the 14th-ranked Central Florida Knights, Golden Knights. This is UFC, UC, UCF's season opener. But it's not like uh, Georgia Tech looked all that sharp in their win over Florida State. I like Georgia Tech's freshman quarterback, Jeff Sims. And Central Florida's defense has been hurt by several players opting out. But they got their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, back. They're a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and I think they take down Georgia Tech. And finally, the first-ranked matchup of the year in the game of the week, number 17 Miami Hurricanes against the number 18-ranked Louisville Cardinals. Cardinals are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Derek King didn't look super clean in his first game for Miami, but he did flash that ability to make some highlight plays and make something out of nothing. Big story for their offense was Cameron Harris running for 134 yards and two touchdowns, just under eight yards a carry. Louisville's offense, meanwhile, flashed explosiveness themselves under new starting quarterback Malik Cunningham, who earned the job after the end of last year. You know, Miami, they have to be a little upset. I mean, it's understandable that Greg Rousseau is opting out. He's one of the top draft prospects. And in this crazy year with COVID and everything, it, it certainly is an understandable decision. But Miami has to be a little upset he won't be playing because if he was there, I think they could be special. 
defense certainly isn't as fearsome without him, but I think Derek King is going to start getting a little more comfortable in that new offense. Harris will run the ball well, and Miami takes down Louisville. And we'll look ahead to next week. I think the SEC starts getting into action, and the season will really start getting underway. Right. Yeah, I'm excited for that Miami-Louisville game. I mean, Derek King didn't really need to be good in that last game, and now he's going to need to be. So can he do what you know people expect of him? People have been talking about Derek King for so long now. It's just kind of like he's got to start delivering. Otherwise, he's just he's lost his potential. And so it's it's going to be exciting. We'll see what he can do. Excited for that game, first-ranked game. It's only up from here. You know what I'm worried about? According to the Big Ten schedule about how they come back, they've left themselves with absolutely no wiggle room. So if they have postponements, there's like no time to make them up if they want to qualify a team for the the national championship. And I'm just so and I'm and, you know, I'm less worried about it happening and more worried that it's going to be the Hawkeyes that's messed it up because of everything getting messed up in Iowa right now. Like like if it happens, it happens, you know. COVID times are weird, but please don't let it don't be the Hawkeyes. Be Iowa. Right. Yeah. Nebraska. Let it be Nebraska. Let them mess everything yeah. up. And then everybody would be fine with that. And but it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's yeah, where do you see Iowa having a chance? What do you what do you feel about Iowa? Where are their chances lie? You know, I mean, I think it depends a decent amount on what that, that schedule looks like. Um, it should be I would I mean, I would expect pretty favorable. I mean, I guess it depends on with the, the new schedule, are they going to go by divisions still and like try to make sure that you play, you know, East or West or what have you, because if that's the case, then, you know, Iowa is going to get to avoid Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, Michigan, you know, might be able to dodge some of those top teams. And, you know, I, Wisconsin's obviously going to be good. Minnesota brings back a lot. I, I think it all depends, Iowa, on, on what Spencer Petras does under center. They've got more weapons than I can remember us bringing back in a long, long time. you got Goodson in the backfield, Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith, Nico Reganey, Laporta at tight end. I mean, so many guys for Sir Petras to throw to. He's got two guys in, in Lindenbaum. And Alaric Jackson on the offensive line that have all Big Ten, all American possibilities. So I don't know. I th- I I think they c- they could be really really good, especially offensively. I suppose the questions more so are, are on the defensive side of the ball. To see who steps up over there for them. Right, and I want to give a shout out to Oliver Martin, who's also an Iowa Hawkeye, who actually. I went to school with my brother, younger brother went to school with him. We went to the same high school. So shout he's out. Not a Hawk, he's not a Hawkeye anymore. He's not a hot. Where'd he go? He transferred again. He transferred again. Yeah. No! He's, on he Nebra- he's on Nebraska now. Oh, well he can go screw himself. I swear he can go, yeah. he can go away. Then I take everything I just said back. I take it all back. You know what? Well, he's you can do it. He's doing a tour of the big 10. Right. Well, good luck to him. I suppose. All right. Well, we're going <laughs> to good luck to him, I suppose. It's a very good nice, nice sentiment. Well, uh, I guess he has a good life. Right. Exactly. I I I'm with him as a West High Trojan. I'm not with him as a as a man who left Iowa. But you got to get the chance, especially for Nebraska. Right. Exactly. Of all the teams you could have gone to. I mean, go to Rutgers for God's sakes. I don't know. Jeez. Anyway, let's move on cuz the WNBA all of a sudden 
is in its semifinal stage. It's in its semifinal stage. And it felt like the other day they were still playing regular season games. And that's because the first and second rounds were both one-offs. So it's just like, bam, bam. And now we have our semifinals. And I'm going to talk to you about it. In the first semifinal, we've got the Sun versus the Aces. Obviously, the Las Vegas Aces, the number one seed, got the bye to the semis. They're led by MVP center Aja Wilson, who's averaging 20.5 points per game, 8.5 Asia. Asia, 78.1% free throw shooting. She is looking phenomenal. Vegas finished at 18-4. and They're looking for their first championship ever. Here's a stat blast for you, Matt. They scored... 109.6 points per 100 processions, making them one of the most efficient teams in WNBA history, despite only attempting 11.5 threes per game, which is historically low. They play an old style of game. They score 42.7 points per game in the paint, and Aja Wilson is a big part of that. Will it help them that they don't hit the three? Will it hurt them? We'll see. But right now, it's got them at the top of the league, and they are looking good. They will play the seventh seed, Connecticut Sun. The Sun, not supposed to be here. It was supposed to be the Sparks, but it's not. It's the Connecticut Sun. They had to go through two qualifying matches. In their first one, they beat the sixth seed, Chicago Sky, behind Alyssa Thomas's double-double, 94-81. It was an easy win, considering how bad Chicago's defense had been all season. And in their last game before the semifinal, they beat and upset the third seed, LA Sparks, despite Candace Parker's posting a double-double. They beat them 73-59 to 59 behind Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner's double-digit performances. In fact, all of the Connecticut Sun starters that game had double-digit performances. They're looking good. Their team effort is what's taking them to unexpected heights. But can they hold their defense against, like I said, an efficient offensive team like the Aces? Who do you have in that one, buddy? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it's like you said, it's surprising to see – the Suns being here, they absolutely demolished the Sparks. And it was a solid Sparks team. I mean, they were the three seed. You have Candace Parker, who the only good thing about the Sparks getting knocked out is I hope now Candace Parker will be on TNT more because her insight in the game is incredible. It's so – it just – you learn so much listening to her talk about basketball. But, yeah, I mean, I think I got to go with the Aces. Like you said, you got you got the MVP. You got Asia Wilson. You got veteran Angel McCautry on the roster. You got three-time WNBA champion, ex-bad boy Piston Bill Lambeer at the helm as a head coach over there. So lots of experience in the coaching staff. And it, it's incredible to me in the women's game how quickly, like Asia, Asia Wilson, rookie of the year in 2018 and now 2020 MVP and leading the number one seed, just that ability to, to become the top of the, the game. Is impressive, but yeah, I'm going. I'm going Vegas in that one. I'm going Vegas as well. I think they have a really strong chance of winning their first championship, and good for them. You know, they they've been trucking along ever since '97, and it's time for the Las Vegas Aces, I believe. But let's get over to the other semifinal. It is the Minnesota Lynx versus the Seattle Storm. The Seattle Storm were the number two seed. They also qualified for the semi semifinals through the bye. I mean. They've had three championships since they formed in 2000. They're looking for their fourth behind MVP runner-up Brianna Stewart, who's averaging 18 points per game. They already beat the Lynx twice in the regular season by a combined score of 39 points, and they knocked the Lynx out last season in the playoffs, so they should be feeling good about this matchup. And let's not forget, Brianna Stewart was the 2018 MVP, and the only reason she didn't challenge for the 2019 was because she had an injury last season that knocked her out for the season. Her 
plus Sue Bird, troubles for the Lynx, but let's talk about the Lynx. They're the number four seed. They beat the Mercury by a single point to advance to the semis. They played in that second playoff game, not the first. They've got Crystal Dangerfield, who's the rookie of the year, has been outstanding, averaging 16 points per game, and she scored 15 of her 17 points in this game in the second half to help her team see off a dominant Diana Taurasi display by the Phoenix Mercury. Her and Nefesa Collier are performing well, and this offense is dynamic, but their defense is on the weaker side of the team still left in the playoffs, and I just have a feeling that the Storm are going to take advantage of that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been high on the Storm since early on in the season. You got Brianna Stewart. You got just a, a veteran team. You got Sue Bird. You got a, a franchise that, as you said, just knows how to win. I I do I like the links. I was surprised again on that. I thought both I thought both the the matchups before the semifinals were a couple of upsets. Um, and so I'm I'm surprised to see the links here. Sylvia Fowles, one of the best centers in the league, absolute beast down low. But yeah, I mean I just think Brianna Stewart's too good. And when you've got you know one of the best players, if not the if not the best player in the WNBA, along with that supporting crew. And that just kind of veteran leadership. It's a tough combination to beat. So I got, I got the Storm meeting the Aces in the final. And what a final that's going to be if we have Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, and Asia Wilson all on the same team in the same game. I mean, that's high class. That's what we want to see. But, you know, in basketball playoffs this year, we've learned not to not to hold anything you know, right. not to hold anything like it's going to happen. If, it, if it's Suns links <laughs> in the final. I'm, I mean, the Suns are good. Suns got Dewana Bonner and the Lynx, as you said, have saw. I mean, it's anyone game, but the Aces and the Storm, I think, have been pretty clearly the two best teams all season as well. Right. I mean, it'll say a lot about the Lynx, about Crystal Dangerfield. If she if she can get her Lynx past the Storm, you know, that turns her Rookie of the Year uh, season into, you know, possible finals MVP. And that, like you said, quick track to that. All right, well, we're excited for the WNBA, but let's move on to baseball now. Matt, the playoffs start September 29th. That's 11 days from today. That's, I had no idea. That's crazy. That's I was looking absolutely- at the standings the other day, or not the other day, I was looking at the standings today, and I was like, wait, damn, they all have like less than 10 games to play. Right, less than 10 games. season's like over. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean – it's felt like it started yesterday with all the postponements. You thought, like, I don't know like what's it. happening. Uh, me too. Me too. Well, let's talk about – we've got three teams that are already qualified. We have the Tampa Bay Rays. We've talked about how good they are. They're top of the AL East right now, right above the Yankees. They're already qualified. we got the Chicago White Sox at the top of AL Central. First time clinching a playoff spot since 2008. Jose Abreu is on fire. White Sox have clinched the playoffs. And as we've talked about, and they haven't let go yet – the L.A. Dodgers are at the top of the NL West, and they have qualified already. But, Matt, there are 16 teams that are qualifying this year, and that's only three. So let's talk about what we got still to come. In the AL, the Athletics, Twins, and Yankees kind of round up that top five. Those teams are all looking good. Those teams are all probably going to qualify. In the last three qualifying spots, you got the Cleveland Indians, you got the Toronto Blue Jays, and in the last spot, you got the Houston Astros. Now, can the Astros come back from a 
bad season. They're 25 and 25. They're right on 500. They they have not played like a playoff team this year. And their pitching has been less than great since Garrett Cole left. Obviously, Garrett Cole, great player. But pitching's not been as good as it usually is, which usually gets them through. Their bats have not been as efficient as they usually are. But they are in that playoff spot. So can they hold on to it? We shall see. Because the teams underneath them, Mariners, Orioles, Tigers, they're each three to three and a half games behind the Astros. So, you know, there is a chance that it's too late for those teams to make up a three-game deficit. You know, there's so there's only so many time left. But the Astros have a three-game series with the Mariners in the middle of all of this. So if the Mariners can do some damage against the Astros, there's a chance that we don't see the Astros in the playoffs. And I don't want to sound too mean here, but I think that's what we all want to see. I think that's what Absolutely. we all want to see. They don't deserve the way they've played they and the way that... Yeah, the way they've played this season and the way they won their World Series, they have not, they don't deserve it. So I hope that the Mariners beat them three games straight up, knock them out of the playoffs. We shall see. But that's how the ALs look. And let's go to the NL. The Padres, the Slam Diego Padres, looking amazing. Obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr., revelation this year. The Chicago Cubs, looking real good. You talked about it last week, Matt. They have a chance as well. And the Atlanta Braves, obviously, with Ronald Acuna Jr., they've been up and down. But those teams, along with the Dodgers, round at the top four. And can you believe it? I mean, you look at those top four teams in the NL, you have Dodgers, Padres, Cubs, Braves. And in the AL, I mean, you have, you know, the Rays, uh, you know, the the White Sox, the 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 Athletics. I mean, the NL just seems a lot better, in, in, in my opinion. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh that's a I think that's a tough call. I think the I think the NL is sexier. I don't think Okay. All right. I don't think like the White Sox, I don't think the Ray, I don't think like any of those teams like really I they, you know, they they play really good baseball, but it's not always like the most fun and like highlight real baseball that you're you're seeing and they don't know and they also don't have like a lot of huge names comprising those teams. So I think, I don't know. I kind of think that I kind of think the AL, you know, maybe the top of the NL is better, but I think the AL has more depth to it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. The, the Marlins are in the fifth spot. The Marlins are in the fifth spot in the, I mean, that's crazy to me. They've had a yeah. resurgent season and they sit only three games behind the Braves, but they are not there comfortably because Right behind them, all within two games, are the Giants, the Reds, and the Phillies in those last three playoff spots. And there is still lots of margins for change. And even behind them, you've got the Cardinals, Brewers, Mets, and Yankees all within the last eighth spot. So there is so much to change still in the National League. I mean, let's talk about some important series to come. The Brewers and Cardinals play a five-game series to end the season. I mean, that's going to determine which of those teams has a chance, if either of them. If they split it, neither of them might have a chance. But if one of those teams can really sweep with the other one, that might be the playoff for one of them. The Mets play the Braves three times and the Rays three times. So the Mets really need to pick it up now against good teams. Otherwise, they are already out. And if they can grab the wins in either of those series, they do end it against the Nationals, who are basically out of contention. Speaking of which... The Nationals, the World Series Nationals, let's talk about it really quick. They are basically out of contention. So the Mets might have it, but they do have to play really well against two different teams that are already basically qualified. 
and the Rockies have a four-game series against the Giants. Again, going to decide which of those teams can hold on to a playoff spot. National League looking a lot more competitive and, like you said, a lot more deep than the AL. So Nationals could still make it five games behind the Phillies. I mean, they've had a bad season. They're riddled with injuries. Probably not. But that's that's where that stands. What do we feel about the NL, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I think the NL starts and ends with, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the real question out of the NL is, is can anybody compete with them? I think the Cubs, I mean, the bullpen issues are, do not bode well for the uh, playoffs. The Padres are young, but they're super, super good, and I don't think they're scared of anybody. I mean, you have to wonder, like, looking back now when Manny Machado signed with the Padres, he was like, did did you know something we didn't? Because, you know, I think when he signed with them, everyone was kind of like, oh, well, Manny's just going to get paid and live in San Diego, and good for him. Good good contract, dude. Like, have a good, have a good time <laughs> out in San Diego. I hope you enjoyed winning a little bit. But I guess he spent most of his time in Baltimore, so it's not like winning is uh, second nature up there. But yeah, I mean this this Padres team is really good. I, I so I, for me the NL comes down between those two. I think uh, it's just who out of the NL West can can win the playoffs in general. Though are going to be, I mean I think I think the goal for any of these really good teams is get to the is just survive to the championship series because those three game series and those five game divisional series to start it with the sixteen teams is uh, I, I think it's going to add a little little bit of chaos to to the Fall Classic this year. Right, exactly. I mean, we've been talking about how exciting NBA and NHL is, but with this added playoff team and the already unpredictability of the MLB wildcard, those are going to – it's going to contest the playoff craziness for sure that we've already seen. But 11 days till playoff baseball. I'm not going to lie, super excited. This whole season's been weird with all the postponements and everything and the injuries, but we're excited to see all these teams – and who knows, Aaron Judge back for the Yankees. Yankees could make a run. Yankees could make a run that we're not expecting. They really could. They have the bats. Oh, absolutely. Right. People Especially are not in talk- this season. Right. People are not talking about them enough, but they could make a run. We're excited, and we'll see where the chips fall there.